Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. It is a victory Friday on top of that. A lot to talk about and probably going to make some people mad today. You know what? I'm completely okay with that. Completely okay. Uh, as uh, Mike Muir said years ago, if I offend you, then probably you need to be offended. So I'm just going to take it out. I'm probably going to step on some toes today. I am completely okay with that. Uh, so... I'm going to speak very frank and kind of down to earth about some things that I think that happened yesterday. Obviously, uh, we win the ball game, and uh, contrary to popular belief, that is what matters most. That is what matters most. What happened during the game and after the game that is not part of football is something that we'll address. And uh, as you guys are, are listening to this, Mississippi State's John Cohen has already released a statement. I mean, the statement's pretty much boilerplate stuff. We're looking into it. And here's how this whole thing's going to shake out. Is Mississippi State's going to review the film? SEC office going to review the film? They're going to identify the culprits. And then there'll be a suspension next year in week one. That's going to be what happens. Just go ahead and get ready for that. Okay, so we're not going to um, disband the football program. We're not going to bulldoze Davis Wade Stadium. Uh, we're not going to fire Mike Leach. Uh, we're not going to run our players, you know, around uh, town square and have somebody walk in front of them ringing the shame bell. We're not going to do that. There was a dust up after a ball game that was a very, very, very physical ball game where two teams played exceptionally hard. That is getting lost in translation to a lot of people. Probably the most physical game that we've played all year, to be fair. And to give Tulsa some credit, I mean, those guys came ready to play. And that's one of the things we talked about on Wednesday's show. They're a very competitive team. They've been in every ball game. We expected it to be a tight ball game. We did think State would win. That's what happened. But I was impressed with Tulsa. Now, I didn't care for some of the things they did. And uh, listen, there's blame on both sides of this whole issue. But I don't want to spend the whole show talking about the fight because I think there's some other people that were not involved in the fight that had really good football games yesterday and led Mississippi State to a victory. So that's what we're going to focus on first, and then we'll kind of get to the rest of it, okay? But uh, here, here's, let me just say this, too, before, before I get too wound up. We should never, ever, under any circumstances, at any point, under any topic, do anything to find favor with the national media, ever. Oh, well, these national media people are crushing us. So What? We're never going to win with the national media, ever. That's just part of the deal. I mean, we've never been a media darling. We never will be. We, don't, we are not even the favored school in our home state when it comes to the media. So what makes us think that the Kirk Herbstreets and the Dan Wilkins and you know, the ESPNs and all those people, the world, what's, what do we gain by kowtowing to those people? Oh, man, I think we need to do this. Man, we need to do that because this guy's upset with us. Who cares? Kirk Herbstreet is not a shareholder in Mississippi State Athletics. He's not a member of the Bulldog Club. He doesn't buy season tickets. He doesn't make a contribution. So why do we care what he thinks? I don't care what he thinks. Matter of fact, he got up there this morning and made some false statements about Mississippi State in, in his, uh, you know, in his diatribe. And that's, that's what his appeal is. is like, let me just ride the wave of collective nonsense and let me appeal to those people with all this faux outrage. These people are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened. It's the worst thing in the history of the world. It's so stupid. You know, people forget 
Uh, Florida and Missouri had a big dust-up this year after a hit on the quarterback. Happened within our league. People forgotten about that. You know, there, there are these, there's these scrums every single year. And sometimes people throw blows every single year. And you know the reason it's just difficult for you to remember them? It's because they happen all the time, and you just move on with life. And this one is because it happens with your team. You know, and let's not forget what happened in the 2018 Egg Bowl. Right? Remember this? Let's back up even more than that. Let's go to the 2017 Egg Bowl. Ole Miss comes over here, breaks Nick Fitzgerald's ankle. Yeah, I said it. I don't care what anybody else thinks. And then after the game, a game with which uh, DK Metcalf goes and races his leg and uh, pees on our field, and then they go and plant their flag at half field. You know, and here's my thing about that is, you know, if we don't want them planting the flag, then we need to win the ball game, right? So that happens. 2018, we go up there and absolutely destroy them in the ball game. And on, in addition to that, you know, there's a little dust up out there. There's a fight on the field. There are punches that are thrown. There are players that are ejected. And then after the game, we go out there and plant our, our flag on their 50-yard line. And then there's Matt Luke and Ross Bjork and other people out there and an Ole Miss staffer allegedly called Jeffrey Simmons a thug on the field. Have we forgotten about that? Or is it just me? Is it just me? 2019 Egg Bowl, we come up here, we win the ball game, and you remember, you know, this is all after the great, the great peace summit of, uh, <laughs> you know, with Greg Sankey, you know, when uh, Bjork and, and Cohen got called to the office. And what happened after the ball game? And remember again, another Ole Miss player, Elijah Moore, raises his leg and pees on our field again. Again. Two trips in a row, two urinations on the field, right? Or simulated urinations. And so they miss the extra point, and our team pours onto the field, and we go out there and we get in their face, and then uh, Cody Sheck Snyder gets um, knocked down by Takarius Tisdale. But we all moved on with life. And so that's some of you, and listen, I love all of you, but some of you let these national media talking head types gas you up. It's like we can't feel good about winning a football game. Yeah, but Steve, we had to fight. Okay, we've been in other fights, right? We have been. Other teams in the SEC and around the country have been in fights. And at the end of the day, it wasn't that big a deal. And I'm sorry if that hurt your feelings. It wasn't that big a deal. We're addressing it internally. It'll be handled internally. Mississippi State, the SEC, will do the right thing. And we're all going to move forward with life. So let's talk about the football game. Brought to you by the fine folks at Bulldog Burger Company. If you haven't been to Bulldog Burger Company, you are absolutely missing out. I love going in there, man. And listen, and I love the curbside service too. Like when I'm in a hurry and I don't have time to bring everybody or, you know, we got stuff going on. I got to get food and get back to the house. They do a great job packaging things up. You get home. It's not all slammed together. That's one thing that I hate with curbside service in some places. You get it home and it's just, it's a mess. Not with Bulldog Burger Company. I encourage you to go down and check those guys out. Two locations to serve you right here on University Drive in Stark Vegas. And they're on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Have the spring rolls. Have a great restaurant-quality hamburger. And you know what? If you're not feeling the burger tonight or those big portions, maybe get yourself the BLT salad. You're not going to finish that either, but it will be very filling, very healthy. Excited for you guys to take part. Bulldog Burger Company, the place for people in Stargill and Tupelo go to meet. 
and I am later doing the show. I uh, the the weather was so bad leaving DFW. It was like 35 miles an hour for probably, I don't know, 20, 30 miles, man, because you, know, you get four and five lanes of traffic, and it's that misty mess, and it's winter mix, and uh, you, you get a little worried, you know, because it's a little bit above freezing, but, you know, it's some wind, who knows, and there's about a 1,000 18-wheelers out there just kind of churning that stuff up, and so it's a difficult drive, and so I, I got to Shreveport, and I thought, man, you know, this is enough of this. I got a good friend that lives there, so I stayed there and uh, spent the night, celebrated New Year's on the fold-out couch. So my back is feeling it today. So I got home a little while ago, and uh, so here we are. So let's talk some football, because again, that's what matters most. I, I choose to focus on the majority of the Bulldog players that did what they were supposed to do, and um, you know weren't involved in all that. Okay, so let's talk about the football game because sometimes, yeah, some people in the national media have forgotten we actually played a game yesterday. So Mississippi State wins a toss. That's been pretty good for us. We haven't been undefeated, but we've done pretty well. Uh, we win the toss. We elect to receive Errol Thompson, our captain, again. Right away, we come out there, and uh, you know, I told you guys on the Wednesday show when we previewed Tulsa that they were not a team that could kick it deep. They were not a team that was going to be able to get touchbacks regularly. They only had three the whole year. And lo and behold, that came to be a big issue really early in the ballgame. Tulu Griffin, he's kind of been bottled up some this year, you know. He had a big breakout game for us yesterday. How great is that? So he comes out there and returns the kick to the 39-yard line of Tulsa. Then we go to Marks for eight yards on a, you know, just kind of throw it out there. And I thought Jaquavius Marks ran harder than he has all year, despite the fact that playing surface was less than ideal. Then we're complete to Osiris for three, gives us a first down. And then Jaquavius runs off right side, 28 yards for a touchdown, ran through an arm tackle or two. I don't know that he was doing that earlier in the year. I think he's gotten stronger as the year goes on. And so, again, we had all this jawing back and forth before the ball game. And so – the best way to answer that is exactly what we did here. We go out there the very first drive, we punch them in the mouth, we put the ball in the end zone. That's the way you do it. Okay, that's the proper way to do things. You do things between the whistles. You know, and I, I, I tell my baseball teams, you know, the best way to shut them up is to beat them. So we come out there, we punch them in the mouth, and then you're thinking, all right, good, all right, here we go. And we ran the football, right? So we kick it off, and uh, they take over to 24. Juan Carlos Santana, who will be a big part of our story later, uh, runs for six yards. I really like the name. I like his game, too. And then Zach Smith, a sack for a loss of four yards. Earl Thompson busts through there. Then it's complete on third and eight to Crawford for 11 and a first down. Then they're complete to Santana again for seven. They incomplete to Santana, brings up a third and three. And then they hit us again a little out route, five yards for a first down. London Craft had a couple of really big hits yesterday, too. Let us in tackles. I don't know if you knew that. London Craft. A lot of people kind of questioned him being a starter beginning of the year, and here he is, final game of the year, holding down a starting spot and leading us in tackles in a bowl game. All right, Corey Taylor then runs for a loss of one. Jack Harris with a nice play there. When you go back and watch the DVR, it's one of the things you look for. I thought Jack Harris really flashed yesterday. Second and 11, uh, Smith gets flushed, runs for nine yards. Then they're complete again on third and two to Crawford for 17. They're on the move. Corey Taylor runs for six, and then we get a second sack. Aaron Boulé and Tyra Sweet with a combo there for a loss of three. Makes it third and eight. And then there's an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty 
of 15 yards. And uh, if I, if memory serves me correctly, this is the one where Kobe Jones is uh, laid down on the ground and their lineman basically just kind of belly flops and hits him in the back of the helmet. Okay, so they caught, they flag getting caught on sportsmanlike or personal foul, whatever they called it. Um, but here's the deal. That should have been reviewed. Okay, so if we look at we look at the the technical term of targeting, you've got a defenseless player there, and if this is not part of the rules, it probably should be part of the rules. Kobe Jones is laid there on his stomach, and a player runs and jumps and dives and spears him helmet to helmet. So if we're trying to get that nonsense out of the game, that player should have been ejected. There should there should have been no questions asked about it. It shouldn't have been 15 yards. It should have been 15 plus the ejection. But it's third and 23 now, and they're complete down to Johnson. Martin Emerson makes a play, or incomplete, excuse me. And so it's fourth and 23, and they punt. So they had a good drive going, and then their carelessness and their nonsense got them off schedule and kind of put them behind the chains, and it ends a promising drive. So we get the ball back here after the punt. Um, you know, we're pinned up pretty good there, right? We're at our two. And that's why Austin Williams made a mistake there, thinking the ball's going to carry into the end zone. And under that turf, you probably should just go ahead and make the fair catch. It, it didn't really sting us that much, but uh, we didn't do much with it. We had to be very conservative. Uh, we come out and throw the out route to Wiley. And I don't know if you guys know this, but, you know, Wiley entered the game. He had, had kind of a bum ankle. Uh, so people said, well, Steve, where was he? Well, you know, number one, you couldn't run wide open out there. It was difficult to kind of get open. But also, too, he was kind of running on a bad leg. Uh, Dylan Johnson then runs for four, kind of gets us out of the end zone there, and then we're incomplete to Wally. Or excuse me, we're complete to Wally for two, but we're short of the chains. And then just to give us uh, a little more drama there, we get a false start, and uh, they back us up half a distance to the goal, and then we punt Tucker Day 42 yards. And I really felt like under the circumstances that was the best-case scenario, right? And then there's a negative two on the return. Great job of coverage there. So Tulsa gets the ball back, and uh, you know, here we're thinking, okay, you know, the last time they were moving the ball, even though we had won sometimes on first and second down, they were killing us on third down. I want to say they were three, three of their first three on third down. And then they themselves kind of shot themselves in the foot. We've done some of that ourselves this year. Second drive here begins at, their, at the uh, to 48. So Prince then runs for 12 yards and out of bounds. It's first and 10 at our 36 already. They run for three, which brings up a second and seven. And then there's a penalty again, right? We decline it, the ineligible downfield. It's an incomplete pass, which made it third and seven. That's better than second and 12. Then they're incomplete to Stokes. Brule got in there and kind of rattled his cage a little bit. They decided to go for it on fourth and seven from the 33, and after watching the kickoff, I can kind of understand why they wouldn't want to kick a longer field goal here. And then we get to him. Aaron Odom with a sack there gets to Zach Smith. Our third sack of the quarter. A chance for us now to get a little separation here, and you begin to think, okay, we've got a chance – you know, our defense is playing pretty well. Their undisciplined play has also kind of aided in things for us. So let's make it go count, right? So we get the ball at our 36, and uh, Marks goes for no gain, and there's a penalty on them for offsides, makes it first and five. It seemed like it took us forever to convert this. First and five, we go for one yard, and then we'll Rogers complete to Marks for four right there at the marker. But it was it was a difficult play. I mean, what it was, wasn't one of those things where we, you know, we ran with ease. We had to really battle for the, the first down there. First and 10, we're complete to Dylan Johnson for four that gets us to midfield. And then Johnson, who ran hard all day again, uh, rushes for 11 yards down to the Tulsa 39s. So you're thinking, okay, we got it here. Okay, we've got him on the ropes. 
Let's go put this thing in the end zone because I told you guys that Tulsa is a very slow starting team. They've only scored 12 first quarter points the entire year. So if we go out there and put a couple touchdowns up early, that really bodes well, you know, for the ball game. Well, then, you know, some undisciplined play kind of emerges on our side. False start on Darian Parker backs us up five, makes it first and 15 at the 44, and then we give up back-to-back sacks. Back-to-back sacks. And there was some jawing going on between the state O-line and the Tulsa D-line, and I got tipped the cap a little bit here because the Tulsa D-line answered the challenge. You know, we're out there pointing and talking everything else, and then they get back-to-back sacks, and all of a sudden uh, it's a third and 27. And then we get a delay of the game, and it backs up even more. Now it's third and 32. We had it first and 10 at their 39, and now we're all the way back at our own 39 because of some undisciplined play. Then Dylan Johnson runs for 10 yards and again runs hard there. We punt, get it inside the 19, had to punt into the wind there. Uh, Pretty much runs out the quarter. They get the ball back and then uh, rush for a loss of two yards, and that ends the first quarter. And so we've won the first quarter which I share with you guys is one of the keys of the game. We had to get a good start. We had to get a fast start. We didn't get the start we should have gotten. But we still win the first quarter. 7 nothing, And, again, defense playing well against the run. That changed a little bit now. I give, the, I give Tulsa some credit. Again, like I shared, this is a very physical ball game. And I thought they would really answer the challenge here. And, and, listen, you know as well as I do, all week long, their coaching staff, I'm sure they're like, hey, you're just as good as these guys. You're better than these guys. Yeah, they're an SEC team, but they're 3-7 and seven this year. You're better than them. You're better than them. And so that was in their heads. And so, and they didn't show State any respect. I mean, I'm just talking about the disrespect. What I'm saying is, is they, they didn't come out and say, oh, this is an SEC team. They brought the fight to the ball game and, and take all the craziness and undisciplined play out of it. I'm just saying that, that there was a level of play uh, from Tulsa that, that I was impressed with outside of the cheap shots. I really thought there were some guys that played hard, and uh, you could see why they were a 6-2 and two team and played for their conference championship. So on second 12, they're complete to Santana, which is the first play of the second quarter and uh, for 34 yards. And uh, that's one where we just we blew it. You know, I mean, he's open there. we got to make a tackle. We don't. He gets loose. And it's a big gain. So they're already out there to our 49. They're complete to Stokes for 8. And then Corey Taylor rushes for 20. And this is, and I was impressed with Corey Taylor. I really was. There were some times, you know, when he couldn't get his feet going because of the terrain. But uh, once he got going north and south, he was a real load. First and ten, he goes for no gain, and then they give it to Prince, and he rushes for six down to the state fifteen. Then he's complete to Johnson uh, on third and four, that makes it first down at the state eleven. Incomplete to Jay Johnson again, and Jay Jemison a walk on down there making a play in the end zone. Jay Jemison. You can see you got London Craft and Jay Jemison. You got a couple of walk-ons out there making plays. Corey Taylor then rushes for two yards down to the state nine. Errol Thompson with a big lick right there. Uh, third and eight. They call a timeout there and they decide, okay, we're going to go run a play here. And uh, they're incomplete to, to Johnson and uh, end up kicking the field goal. So now it's seven to three. And I really felt like that was a huge win for state. Because, again, we got into, they got into the red zone, but we kind of hemmed them up a little bit, and we made some plays. And, again, that's Jay Jemison out there, a walk-on, making a touchdown, saving PBU. So now it's 7-3, and uh, we've kind of survived a couple of sustained drives for them and only given them the three points. But I was a little bit worried. I thought, you know, they're going to start finishing these drives if we're not careful. So we have an opportunity here to go score again and get some distance in the ballgame. 
first and 10 at the uh, State 15. Again, this is one, from from memory serves me correct, we had a real big kickoff return again, and they uh, they had to hold on Sherman Thames. I thought it was a ticky-tack call. I guess by the spirit of the rule you could call that. But uh, it was 20 yards behind the play. I thought it was the white hat just kind of looking to get on TV. But um, Willispoon there runs for six yards. Thought he ran hard too. Rodgers completes the marks for eight, gives us a first down. And then they charge Spivey with an illegal block. Haven't gone back and watched that. On the replay in the booth, it didn't look like much. But, hey, it is what it is. They make it second and six. Then we're incomplete to Wally, which makes it third and six. And then we hit Austin Williams, and I believe this might have been Austin's biggest gain of the year. Uh, Austin catches the ball over the middle and then breaks a couple tackles and gets it down to the 43-yard line. And what do we do? Shoot ourselves in the foot again. False start on state, makes it first and 15. We're incomplete to Dylan Johnson. Probably the best thing that could have happened there because it seemed like that there was nothing there to really run for. And then we're sacked again. Third time of the day, makes it third and 19, and so we run the, the draw to Dylan Johnson. He gets 11 to kind of give us some room to punt. And Tucker Day uh, punts 44 yards down to the Tulsa 11, and uh, they get one yard out of it. And then here there is the uh, – they throw the, the football, and they're charged on sportsmanlike conduct. There were actually two infractions on the play. One went uncalled. There was a personal foul penalty that should have been called on Tulsa. They didn't call that. And then after the play is over, they call in sportsman like on Stokes for throwing the football because he was frustrated. So backs it up through Tulsa 6. So, again, as, as much as the undisciplined play was called, there were some other things that were uncalled, as you guys are well aware. All right, so Tulsa starts at their own 6, and uh, pass complete at Santana for 57 yards and um, unsportsmanlike conduct. So it's like they get the big play, and there's unsportsmanlike conduct. And, again, this is another one here where I thought – this is the one where I think, if I'm not mistaken, this is the one where Jay, where um, Sean Preston kind of bounced off of uh, Santana and he ran and, and had the big play there. You're early on, I guess that first play at the second quarter is when they beat Martin Emerson on the fade, and that's just part of football. But this is one here where the completion should have been made for a shorter game, but we let the guy get loose. Corey Taylor then runs for five, goes back for one, which brings a third and four, and sure enough they find Santana again for 14 yards. Complete to Stokes for on first and ten to make it second and seven. Back to Stokes for nine to first down, and they're moving and clicking pretty good here. Corey Taylor then runs for ten and uh, really ran hard. I mean, I don't know what kind of football future he has in front of him, but uh, he's kind of a throwback, one cut between the tackles runner. Thought he gave us some real trouble. Uh, Taylor then goes for two, back again for two, brings up a third and goal. One of the biggest plays in the ballgame right here. They're at our, our six-yard line, and uh, they have run the ball pretty well between the tackles. And they decide to run a pass play here. And Sherman Thames of Indianola Academy, a walk-on, who has primarily been a special teams guy, but has been kind of forced into action this year on the two-deep chart, knifes through and makes a sack, the first sack of his career for a loss of 10 yards that puts it back into a field goal range. So it's a field goal opportunity rather than them putting the ball in the end zone. Because if they go in the end zone here and take a lead, I don't know how this game ends up. Okay? Again, they get in the red zone. Defense gets stiff. Sherman Thames comes through. And, again, here we are again. London Craft making big plays. Jay Jemison making plays. Sherman Thames making plays. What is Zach Arnett going to be able to do when he gets a full complement of scholarship players? I mean, goodness, I was talking with a friend of mine earlier. If Zach Arnett had the 2018 defense available to him, we might not have given up a touchdown all year. I mean, we're getting, we're getting plays made from guys that are walk-ons. You know, and the circumstances kind of dictate that we play them. 
but we're getting value out of these players. So they make the field goal and it's seven to six. And again, they kick off, and Tulu nearly takes it to the house, right? <laughs> we start up at 46. It's three kickoffs, three big returns. Riders complete to Malik Heath for no gain, and we run to Dylan Johnson for three. And uh, second, third and seven, we have to take time out there. And we're complete to Austin Williams again of steady Eddie Williams there. And the guy never gets a lot of separation, but he always makes that contested catch. And here he is again doing something big for us, moving the chains. First and 10 at Tulsa 37. We're incomplete to Brody King, his first target of the year, if I'm not mistaken. Then we get another delay of the game. That's, that's inexcusable. That can't happen. That absolutely cannot happen. Second and 15, we're incomplete to Tulu. And then Marks rushes for four. And, um, you know, we miss a good opportunity here because we end up basically just, you know, running it down to one second and throwing the Hail Mary. And, again, we get off schedule ourselves on second and 10. What do we do? We take a delay of the game. And that, that just cannot happen in that situation. Those are those opportunities in the ball game that you miss and you look back in hindsight and say we won the game but that was okay no it wasn't okay we we have to finish that half better especially with them getting uh the ball first at the very least we should have been able to to have a field goal attempt there we just didn't do enough to get there all right let's look at the third half third, third quarter here beginning the second half as we mentioned uh, we kick off there scott goodman kicks off and so everybody's like, hey, what's going on, Brandon Ruiz? And some people said, oh, he opted out. Completely untrue. He- Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get – a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You have keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You got fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient, it's safe, it's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Did not opt out. None of that has happened. He was there. He dressed for the game. He, I understand he tweaked something earlier in the week, and uh, they elected to go with Goodman and elected to go with Jason Chrisman. It had nothing to do with Brandon Ruiz. He's not in any trouble. He hadn't been a problem for Mississippi State. He's a great guy. He didn't do anything. He didn't break curfew. He didn't short sheet anybody's bed or put sugar in anybody's gas tank. He just got a little bit banged up. It's as simple as that. There's not always an ulterior motive to things. Sometimes guys get hurt playing the game of football, even kickers. All right, so Tulsa comes in, and I thought this was a big statement for our Bulldog defense because especially with Tulsa being so good in the third quarter, we come out and get a three and out, right? Complete to Crawford for five, incomplete to Stokes. I believe that was actually a drop, and then incomplete to Johnson. They punt, 33 seconds elapse, three plays, five yards, and we get the ball at our 36. And, again, I really felt for the first time, really in a long time, we had great field position all day with the one exception of us being – inside the five, I guess, in our second drive there, we had room to operate. Had a short field to work with more times than not. So we started at the 36. We give it to Marks for three, and then we complete the Heath for a first down. And then there's an offside penalty, makes it first and five. Marks runs for nine, and all of a sudden we're already across midfield, and it's a first down at the the, uh, 40. Then again, Tulsa bows the racks here and makes a play. Will Rogers sack for a loss of six. And Will Rogers complete to Malik Heath for nine, which sets up a third and seven. We're complete to Wally for six, which brings up a fourth and one. We go for it, run off right side, and I really thought we did a good job sealing the edge there. And Marks runs 15 yards down to the 16, and he looked explosive on that play. Despite the circumstances, it looked like maybe that touchdown gave him some confidence, but he looked like a guy that was running with purpose. First and 10, we go back to Marks, and then Will Rogers, of course, on second and seven, takes it and runs right the middle for a touchdown. Heady play by the freshman quarterback. Now it's a 14-6 ball game. It's still a one-score game, but it really felt like we were back in charge. And to be fair, in the second half, I never really felt like that we were in trouble. At no point did I ever feel like, okay, Tulsa's fixing to go win this ball game. I, didn't, I never felt that way. Maybe you guys felt differently. So now it's 14-6, and um, – Tulsa puts together one of their better drives of the day on on this one. So they take over at their own 25. We sack Zach Smith, Aaron Odom again. Goodness gracious, what a big game for him. Makes a second 11. They're complete to Stokes for 34 yards, and that erases all that, right? So now it's first and 10 at a state 42. Incomplete to Stokes. Uh, Thompson there, nice play with him. And then second and 10, Corey Taylor runs for 16 yards. If I'm not mistaken, he ran over somebody on that play, too. I think somebody met him in, in the hole, and he powered through that. Uh, and so on uh, first and 10, they're complete to Stewart for 11, which moves the chains again. Corey Taylor runs for one yard on first and 10. Second and nine from the state 14. Uh, Prince runs, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was an inside handoff on some jet sweep, jet sweep action. He's into the end zone. They don't go for two. They kick the extra point, which makes it 14-13. So despite the fact they get the drive, we still maintain the advantage here. And again, a chance for us to go make something happen here. And it really felt like at this point they had wrestled momentum away from us. 
they were running the ball with uh, greater success, and then we were not, you know, we were just not having an opportunity to put points on the football on the board here. So, you know, we, we take over at the Tulane 39, and again, this is another opportunity where Tula Griffin nearly scores. I'd like to see the replay of that because, you know, the, the I will say this, the linesman called it immediately and said he stepped out. But I, some other people around us in the booth said I wasn't sure I'd like to see a replay. Uh, that's the thing. Once they blow it dead, it doesn't matter what the replay shows, right? I mean, that's why you should let it continue and then go back and replay it. They blew it dead, so the official clearly must have felt like he had a good call there. I would like to see it, and I hope to watch that later tonight. So we take over at the uh, Tulsa 39. Great opportunity for us to put the game away. I mean, to go up two scores here, right? We're incomplete to Jaden Wally, and Dylan Johnson rushes for seven, which makes it third and three. Then we're incomplete to Austin. And so we decide to go for it, and there's something that happens on this play that I don't know if you guys are aware of. So it's a fourth and three. We get blown up, right? So it's fourth and three, and Dylan runs for a loss of two. So we hit, there's a premature snap. So number 90 from Tulsa has this – it's kind of known throughout college football. You're talking to, you know, talking to people that uh, have played against them. He does this thing with his mouth where he makes this popping sound, and it sounds like a clap. And he is simulating the snap, right? And I understand he's been responsible for about five or six false starts this year already just by doing that. And I understand that we prepared for it all week long, and then they got us with it. They got us. And so we snap it. Nobody else is moving. We get blown up on the play. You know what? And he's a fool to not – He's a, he would be a fool not to do it if we're going to let him do it. It is against the rules, but if they're not going to stop him from doing it, he'd be a fool not to do it. So there you go. That blows up the play. Tulsa takes over at uh, their own 34, and then Prince rushes for three yards to make it second and seven. Complete to Riders for 14. Gives another first down. London Craft with another hit there. First and 10 across midfield. They rush for a loss of one. Jevin Banks, his first tackle for loss in his career. Second 11, Smith complete incomplete to Stokes. Colin Duncan on the play. Third and 11, complete to Rogers Down to the state 38, and you're thinking, okay, well, here they go. They're going to have a chance to come down here and at least kick a field goal. Uh, and take the lead. Doesn't happen. State runs a little coverage game there, and uh, Smith couldn't really step into the throw, lays it up there. Emmanuel Forbes picks it off, takes it back 90 yards for a touchdown. And there's a lot I want to say about this play. The first thing that I'll say is that it's his third pick six of the year, which is a new school record for Mississippi State. The 90-yard interception return for touchdown is the longest interception return in Armed Forces Bowl history. Right, the career move, the career mark at Mississippi State for pick sixes is three. So in a year that doesn't count, he's already matched the career record of three. He leads the FBS in defensive touchdowns. It's crazy. Now on this play, you recall initially, an official called uh, Nathaniel Watson for a block blow to waste. It was a horrendous call. It was nowhere near the play, and they had the wrong person. So here's what I have learned about that in recent conversations. Because, you know, State was flagged for unsportsmanlike conduct on the bench. And I understand it was because they were protesting the play. They were saying, hey, you got the wrong guy. You got the wrong guy. And apparently we kept belaboring the point. And then they came back and said after discussion, it, the play, the penalty should have been on Tulsa. And so – 
And you and I both know they're not supposed to review those penalties. Somebody paid attention to that replay. I mean, there's no way. It's like if, if you saw it one way, if you saw Watson block below the waist, how could you come back later and say we didn't, right? So that so they get the call correct. And so then they they're going to penalize Tulsa for the, the 15 yards on the kickoff. Well, then it offsets because of the unsportsmanlike on the state bench. And so here is my quarrel with every bit of that. If you blow a call, and then you admit you blew the call, you got to let the sideline have a little bit of levity. You have to. you got to give them a little bit of rope there. You can't be so quick to just throw a flag because somebody hurt your feelings after you blew the call. It'd be one thing if your call was correct, and then all of a sudden they're getting all on top of you and getting mad with you and being indignant with you. That would Okay, I kind of get that. But if you're wrong, you're wrong. Own up for it. So you know what, Coach? Hey, you're right. We missed it. We'll fix it. And then you kind of move forward with life. But it offsets. So in the end, all of that meant nothing. So now it's a uh, it's a much better ball game, right? Now it's a uh, 21-13 ball game. So <clears throat> we kick off, and uh, Scott Goodman kicks it off. We get a touchback. So they're backed up. Now it's 21-13. I think everybody felt like, okay, we're okay. We're up eight. We just need to keep scoring. We need to play good defense. We, we got a good chance here. Their quarter's almost over. So they take over at their own 25, and then Corey Taylor, again, running hard, runs for 13. Then they're incomplete to Crawford, and there's a false start. So now it's a second and 15. Smith runs for five after he gets flushed, which makes it third and 10, and then they're incomplete to Crawford. They've got a punt, and we get it at the 40, at our 20-yard line, 42-yard punt down our 20. With just a minute 20 to go in the third quarter, you're thinking, okay, Let's start running some clock here, Leach. All right, let's go ahead and start salting this game away. Well, we check it down to Marks, who gets 10 yards and a first down. Then we're incomplete to Osiris. Marks then runs for two, which brings up a third and eight, and then we're incomplete to Heath. Wanted to probably, you know, I thought Will Rogers played pretty well under the circumstances. And I don't think people fully appreciate how windy and wet and nasty it was down there. He threw this one kind of behind Malik there. Uh, but, you know, True freshman playing his first bowl game in less than ideal conditions. I thought the kid did really well. So we punt. We don't even run the clock out of the quarter. And that, that's one of the things I look at there. I really thought we should have been running the football more. But can't complain too much because we were, we were at 100% balance, right? 30 passes, 30 runs. All right, so then uh, they get the ball at, at, at our 32. This is when we had, the, uh, we had the bad punt, right? That's when Tucker Day hurt his leg. And so they get the ball off the 32, and then they run for two, run more for two, which brings up – runs out the third quarter. But it felt like, you know what, we've kind of let them stay back in here. It's not Tucker Day's fault, but it's just one of those wild things that happens. It's like, you know, we're in, in good shape here, and then we give them great field position, which is exactly what happened. Uh, Smith then complete to Taylor for five yards, which makes it fourth and one. They go for it. Taylor powers ahead for three, gets the first down. First and ten, we bet we piled him up there for no gain. Smith is an incomplete to Stewart, which makes it third and ten. And right now I'm thinking, okay, we just got to get off the field. Somehow this Rogers kid kept getting open. I give him credit. Number 84. I don't know how in the world that guy kept getting open, but he did. So it's uh it's now instead of it being a field goal opportunity, it's a first and goal from the nine. Stokes then runs for four, makes a second goal from the five, and then Corey Taylor powers in. And uh, they decide to go for two to try to tie it at 21-19. It is the fourth quarter, and the only time you should ever go for it is when you have to. Well, they do here, and they don't get it. 
I believe it was Colin Duncan on the pass coverage, I think. Uh, wasn't a great opportunity there. But uh, So despite every bit of that, despite all the craziness with the bad punt and all the things that have gone with it, we, um, we still have the lead. We still have the lead. We get the ball back. Uh, this is where they, they finally decided to stop kicking the Griffin, right? So the drive starts uh, at the 35. I believe it. Well, hang on a second. This is the one where Javante Payton nearly let them cover the, the, the kickoff right at the one-yard line. Right. I, I still don't understand the thought process there, but it worked out. It worked out okay for us. So maybe he knows more than me. Uh, Rodgers then completes to Dylan Johnson for nine, second and one. Johnson runs for seven. Now it's, you know, now we're already out there at midfield. First and ten, we're complete to Austin Williams for four. On second and six, we run Johnson again for five. And in third and one, we go back to him again. He moves the chains. First and ten from the Tulsa 39. Witherspoon runs for three between the tackles. Then we're complete to Jaden Wally for 13. And um, we're already down to the Tulsa 23. Well, Rodgers incomplete to, to Lou Griffin for four. It gets us inside the red zone. Then we're incomplete to Williams. Complete to Wally for six, gives us a first down. So it's now first and ten at the Tulsa 13. And then uh, we hit it to to, to Lou Griffin again, uh, which proved to be the game-winning score. So now it's a uh, 28-19 ball game. So we're up two scores with eight minutes to go. I think everybody right now thought, okay, we got it. It got a little hairy, to say the least. So (laughs) we kick it off. uh, They get it at the 37. And then Taylor runs for two, incomplete to Crawford, and complete to Stokes for 12 to move the chains on third and eight, makes it first and ten. Uh, complete to Rodgers for five, which sets up a manageable second and five already across midfield. And then it's a first down for a six-yard gain for Stewart. Incomplete to Stokes on first and ten, makes it second and ten. And we're thinking, okay, let's, let's get something going here. We don't. They find Stokes again for 19 yards inside the state red zone. And it really felt like here they were going to score no matter what we did. Complete to Crawford, then for eight. Gets out of bounds, second and two from our 11. And then we catch Taylor for a big loss there and makes it uh, third and four from the 13. They, Zach Smith gets loose there and runs for the first down. Uh, it's, it's one of those crazy things, too. It's like on that play, it really felt like we had a chance to get off the field. We didn't. First and goal, Corey Taylor runs uh, for three yards down to the state six. Incomplete to Stokes. And on third and goal, Tyra Sweet steps in, makes the play. And I, I don't know how this game turns out. If they punch it in there, I mean, we look at all these things, all these plays, and we realize, okay, well, you know, they're all every time there's a game like this, it always boils down to one or two plays. But it seemed like Mississippi State was the ones making those one or two plays. Tyre Sweet picks it off and starts running it back, and he gets about halfway across the field and just kind of runs toward the sidelines. I mean, that, that piano jumped on his back after about 10 yards. But uh, huge play for State. And at that point, I think everybody in Maroon and White was feeling it. You know, we thwart the drive there, and uh, we think we've got a chance to run some clock here. We bleed out their timeouts, but we, uh, we only run about 25 seconds off the clock. Marks runs for three, timeout. Marks runs for four, timeout. Third and three, we go for no gain whatsoever. I'm glad we didn't try to throw it there. At least we made them burn the timeout. And then Reed Bowman has to punt, and it's to the Tulsa 45. They take over with just under three minutes to go. Incomplete to Stokes. Second 10. Uh, pass is intercepted by Jay Jemison, the walk-on right. But it's a P.I. on Colin Duncan. And I don't even think Colin had to make the P.I. there. I think Jemison had jumped the route. 
and was in position to make the pick. And I think the only thing that could have happened is, uh, you know, the receiver from uh, Tulsa could have got an OPI there, maybe knocked the ball down. I think Jay had it all the way. So we give him new life there, and then he's complete to Rodgers for nine, incomplete to Stewart, which makes it uh, third and one, and they're complete to Stokes for 12, and they're rolling again. Zach Smith runs for four, then complete to Stokes for 15 more for a touchdown. So now they uh, they kick the extra point. Now it's a 28-26 ball game, and you and I both know what's coming, the onside kick. Minute 31 to go. All we got to do is field the kick. They got no timeouts left, and the ball game is over. <coughs> so they uh, – they try the onside kick, and there is a personal foul on Errol Thompson this play, and I'm sure you've seen the replay by now. Errol Thompson absolutely unloaded on Santana, on Juan Carlos Santana. Santana had a lot to say early in the ballgame, and he was a great player. But he's coming downhill. Errol Thompson lowered his shoulder and hit him squarely in the chest and absolutely destroyed him. He hit him so hard, I'm sure his mama felt it. And then he stands over him, and they flag him for personal foul. You know, I, I think it's probably unsportsmanlike conduct because there was nothing wrong with the play. It was a legal play within the rules. I think all that woofing and standing over him is what got the flag. But you know how you beat talkers? It's that. You shut them up. You beat them, and you make legal plays within the, the framework of the whistles. That's what you do. That's how you, you, you shut people up is you go win the ball game. And, and listen, football is a violent game. That's one of the things that's incredible to me is like sometimes we act like when emotions get to better people, we think, oh, I can't believe this happened. No, I, I mean, you got players out there running around full of aggression and testosterone, and next thing you know, it's, you know, things bubble over. It happens. So then we run the clock out. And then the craziness ensues. Before we get to that, let's get to the top ten list. It's going to be kind of a elongated show today, so bear with me here. Today's top 10 list brought to you by the fine folks at MyBookie. If you're a person who likes to have a little skin in the game, MyBookie is absolutely the place for you. And we're going to give you some incentive to, uh, to maybe work with them for your um, you know, betting needs. Simple as that. Go to MyBookie.com or use their app and use promo code BONEYARD. They'll match your deposit up to 50%. So if you're going to put $200 down, they'll give you $100 of house money to work with. So right out of the gate, you're playing with house money. Use promo code BONEYARD when you make that that visit. There's plenty to talk about. There's FBS playoffs going on now. We'll have a national championship game soon. The NBA is back. Pretty soon we're going to have NFL playoffs. So if you're a person who likes to have some skin in the game, my bookie is absolutely the way to go for you. There's new promotions all the time with them uh, for new players and returning players. So we encourage you to give them an opportunity. If you're a person that likes to have a little more invested than just some emotional energy, my bookie is the way to go. Use promo code Boneyard when you make that visit. Okay, top 10 list today. We'll be quick. I don't want to keep you guys too long today. I teased this all week. I told you guys we're going to do one of the greatest rock bands in the history of the world, and it is. This is an international act from Germany that has sold over 110 million records worldwide. If you know anything about rock, you know exactly who I'm talking about. It's the Scorpions. One of the greatest rock bands of all time. I've seen them play live, and I'll be honest with you, I saw them with Motley Crue when Motley was without Tommy. Uh, down in Biloxi, and I thought Scorpions blew Motley off stage. Vince wasn't at his best. I thought Klaus Minor was incredible. Rudy Schenker was great. Matthias Jobs, the whole group, man. I thought Scorpions were great. Uh, I've been a huge Scorpions fan ever since. I liked them before them, but after seeing them live, I developed a new appreciation for them. So here are a few honorable mentions. We'll get to the top ten, and we'll kind of move forward. 
Uh, honorable mention, Alien Nation. Love that track. Bad Boys Running Wild. That goes back to Love at First Sting. The Zoo. I know a lot of people love that one. And then Under the Same Sun. I think one of the best things about the Scorps are the ballads they sing, that not just the rock and stuff. They can do both. They can do ballads and bangers. Those are your honorable mentions. Here's your top ten. We open with a ballad, Believe in Love. Number nine, Big City Nights. Number eight, one of my favorites. Oh, I love this one. Don't Believe Her. It's a great rock song. Number seven, the classic, Still Loving You. Number six, When Passion Rules the Game. Number five, The Rhythm of Love. Number four, and this was a very important song. It was written, uh, uh, Klaus wrote this when, um, I guess Rudy and them wrote this when the, uh, the Berlin Wall was coming down and their home of Germany. And it's the wind of change. And uh, it was incredible to watch communism kind of fall around the globe. And uh, if you lived through the Cold War, you knew what a big moment that was when East and West Germany united. And uh, so he wrote that after watching that happen. It's a very emotional song. The Wind of Change, probably uh, their most famous ballad. Number three, not a ballad at all, in an incredible video. It's uh, Tease Me, Please Me. Number two, I think these... The final, I think everybody knows the final two. I think you do. And some people are going to say, Steve, I can't believe you've got Tease Me, Please Me at number three. Well, I dig it. I dig it. It's my list. Number two is No One Like You. There's no one like you. And number one, could it be anything else other than Rocky Like a Hurricane? It was kind of their American debut. They'd already had some big hits overseas, but uh, Rocky Like a Hurricane, even to this day, is played in, in uh, stadiums around the world. If you don't know the Scorps, you need to know the Scorps. They're so incredibly talented and great songwriters. What, 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 19 albums maybe? 18, 19 albums? Yeah, 18 studio albums over their history. There's a lot of longevity there. There's a reason they're still making records and packing out venues everywhere. So that's top 10 list. If you've got an idea for a top 10 list, please reach out let me know. I might just use it. Next week's going to be a little bit different. I'm going to spend the weekend kind of getting some things together. We're going to figure some things out. And, and listen, got a lot of response on that George Strait list. A lot of people said, hey, you, I can't believe you didn't do this one, you didn't do that one. When a guy's got over 50 or 60 number one songs, I'm going to leave out somebody's favorite. And I guarantee you this, some of you rockers are going to say, Steve, you missed the boat on this Scorpions track. And I, may, I can't, some of them I can't even argue about. But this, these are my favorites, and I hope you enjoy the list. And I want to thank Roy, as always, for uh, putting these things together. Next segment of the show is brought to you by Campus Bookmart, longtime sponsors of the show. Standing man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, everybody up there will treat you like family because in their mind you are, you are family to them. They specialize in Mississippi State merchandise. It's as simple as that. Anything Mississippi State related, you can find at Campus Bookmart. And if you can't make it to town, which I encourage you to go by there and visit them when you do come to town. But if you can't, go visit them at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. BSR which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Probably can find you a victory shirt. Probably can find an Armed Forces Bowl victory shirt there. I haven't confirmed that, but I miss Kathy Brown. is the kind of person that keeps up with every bit of that. So maybe you'll enjoy having one of those. Gift yourself the gift of Mississippi State. All right, let's talk a little bit about this fight. Uh, there are a few things that I want to say about this. Um, before we move out of here. All right, so before we get even cranked up, okay, I want to share some numbers with you, okay? 
So, again, I told you, Tulsa had some dudes, man. I mean, they did, especially up front. I was impressed with that defensive front. They gave us some trouble. They did. And we've had some trouble against some other teams, but I thought they were really talented. I mean, they, they weren't your typical G5 team. There's a reason they were 6-2 and two coming to the ballgame. There's a reason they almost beat Oklahoma State and Stillwater. There's a reason they almost won their conference. I mean, they're a good team. But here's kind of the Achilles heel, right? Tulsa is fifth nationally in penalties per game with nine. They're number two nationally. out of That's 129 out of 130 schools. 129 out of 130 schools. There's only one team in America that had more penalty yards per game than Tulsa. And then they're number five nationally in yards for penalty with nine. So they're getting, it's major penalties they're getting. It's not like it's a bunch of false starts and offsides. I mean, you guys saw it. Was it five unsportsmanlike conduct penalties, four or five against them? And so they come out before the, um, you know, they come out before warm-ups. And, like, I, 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 I saw the Kirk Herbstreet thing, which is it's really – listen, I like Kirk Herbstreet, okay? I do. I think that uh, he calls a good game when he's not calling Ohio State game. I mean, and we all have biases, okay? But uh, I think it's clear he has a bias against Mike Leach due to his relationship with Craig James. I think it all goes back to the Adam James stuff at Texas Tech. But he comes out there, and all the blame is on Mississippi State. And he says, oh, we violated the, uh, the rule about not having shirts on it sort of stuff, like we were coming looking for a fight. It's not true. So Tyson Brown is great for Mississippi State football. And he challenges these guys to be tough. And so everybody's all week long, everybody said, the weather's going to be a factor. So some of your players are like, I'll show you how tough I am. So they go out there with their shirts on. Okay, and some people say, well, they shouldn't be able to do that. They can do whatever they want to before the 90-minute marker comes in. At 90 minutes, that's when the officials take the field. That's when their, quote, jurisdiction begins. 90 minutes before kickoff, they come out. So if there's any chicanery, they can flag that and then penalize you during the game. So at the 90-minute mark, you know what? Mississippi State had their shirts on. We were identifiable. But we're out there stretching with our strength and conditioning staff and then Tulsa comes out, and they go over there, and we start having the flex off and everything else. Now, you and I both know all week long, I'm sure that's what they heard. Hey, you guys are just as good as them. You're better than them. This is an SEC team. You can beat them. They're not so big. They're not so bad. And so they come out gassed up. They come out with a chip on their shoulder. Many of these guys weren't recruited by SEC schools. So it's a chance to say, you know what? We're going to prom- I'm going to prove I'm good enough. I'm going to prove I could have played in Power 5. Okay, cool. This is also a team that, you know, hadn't won a ball game in a few years. And so they're thinking, you know what? Hey, I'm going to go get one. I'm going to go get one today. And if you watch the ball game at all, you saw how chippy it was. A lot of pointing, a lot of pushing, a lot of shoving. Stuff happened in pregame. It was incredibly insane. And then after the game is over, after State has won the game, Everything is cool. Everybody's shaking hands. Everybody starts writing their stories. And then all hell breaks loose. And there's a fight. And here's the thing, too. Let's call it what it is. Okay, it was a lot of woofing and pushing and shoving until Tanil Martin and um, Demarcus Russell. Is that right? No, that's not right. Demonte Russell. They start jawing back and forth. Next thing you know, there's some licks are, are exchanged. I've heard people say that a Tulsa coach threw a punch. I have not seen that. That may be on the broadcast when I watch it tonight. But there is blame on both sides of this deal. So, yeah, was Tulsa the aggressor and the instigator throughout most of the day? Absolutely. But there is some blame on the Mississippi State side as well. 
but there is equal blame to be had here. And that's the thing that I kind of take issue with. Why is Mississippi State being singled out here? And, and here's the thing that I want to talk about, too, in relation to some of that, is let's look at what was said in the postgame, okay? So Mike Leach, after the game is over, Mike is celebrating with our fans. He's taking pictures with our fans. He is unaware of what's going on across the field. And then he has to go in there and do a postgame interview not even knowing the full gravity of the situation. I mean, limited information. And so he has been judged very harshly for that. But here's what he said after he addressed the team when he came to postgame. And just so you guys know, I understand Mike Leach absolutely blasted your players for how they acted in postgame. They blasted them for the fight. They addressed it. There will be some people having a vacation on Leach Beach. There will be disciplinary action for this. There will be people that are held accountable. And it doesn't have to be on Twitter. And we don't have to go out there and make a public declaration and say, here was the penalties. We don't owe that to anybody. But it is being taken care of. It is being looked into. It's not something that's being glassed over here. So here was Mike Leach's statement to the media. The root of it is dumb, no matter what the root of it was. The continuation of it was dumb. I would have it solidly in the category of dumb. Where the dumb started, I'm not entirely sure. And then he comes back a little bit later and says, you know, hey, there, there's, I haven't seen enough film to let us off the hook on this thing by any stretch. We haven't had any trouble with that sort of thing all season. We haven't had any trouble with that. I don't know if they have or not. I don't know what the basis of this was. So you got a guy having to go deal with the media with kind of limited information. But here he is saying, hey, this is really dumb. No matter what started it, no matter what happened, this is dumb. And I haven't seen any evidence right now to let us off the hook here. So he's not, he's not trying to deny responsibility. He's not trying to say that Tulsa uh, was at fault here. He's saying the whole thing's dumb. No matter what happened, the whole thing is dumb. But Mike Leach being crucified by the national media, and it, it, it matters not. I mean, what, what they think doesn't matter. But I, I want to point this out to you that there is a double standard being applied here. Here is what Philip Montgomery, the coach in Tulsa, said, okay? I am not going to comment a whole lot about it. The one thing I'll say is our program, our guys, we're a team that's going to stand up for each other, and we're going to battle. We talk about faith, family, and football. I think I've heard that somewhere before. Uh, Family's going to take care of family. We're a team that's battled all year. We battled again today. From that standpoint, our guys are going to continue to protect each other. So you got Mike Leach out here saying, hey, guys, there's no, there's no justification for this. It's dumb. And then you've got Philip Montgomery from Tulsa saying, you know what, hey, we're going to go defend each other. We're going to go battle. So if Leach is the one, in my mind, kind of denouncing the incident, why is he the one that's being held up for scrutiny? Why isn't Philip Montgomery the guy that doubled down and said, hey, you know, we're, you know, hey, we're going to defend ourselves. You know, we're family here. We're going to stick up for each other. Why, why is his statement not being parsed over like Mike Leach's is? When Leach is the one that has said, hey, this was dumb. No matter what the cause of it was, it's dumb. And then there are people saying, oh, I can't believe Mike Leach wasn't over there trying to separate the players. Well, he's up there with our fans taking pictures, doing all the things Dan Mullen didn't want to do, right? There weren't a lot of people there, in case you didn't know. Mike Leach decides to go over there and celebrate with those that stayed to the end, the Bulldogs that braved the weather and the conditions, and go over there and take a picture with those guys and thank them for coming. How's he supposed to know that there's a mosh pit happening across the field? It's idiotic. 
be critical of coach for that. There he is trying to do something positive for you, our fans, and then he's getting criticized for it. I, I, don't, I don't quite understand that. So there are a few things that I want to share with you guys before we get out of here. Um, you know, we have a wide assortment of players on our roster. We got a lot of Mississippi kids. We got some from Florida. We got some from Texas. We got some from all over. We're expanding the recruiting footprint. But by and large, we are a Mississippi football team. It's the way it should be, the way it always will be. But we have to have a balance of players. We, you know, people say, well, you know, look at Malik Heath and what he did. Okay, so here's what Malik Heath did Malik Heath actually was engaged by Tanya Martin. Now, he's still running his mouth. Martin comes at him, and then Heath throws him to the ground and kicks him in the shoulder. Not in the face, not in the helmet, in the shoulder. And then runs away. And some people say, oh, look, what a tough guy. So would you be better if he just stayed there and stomped the kid out? Would that, would that be better? Would that make you feel better about it? If he stayed there and fought? I mean, come on. It's an ugly situation. Let's not sit here and, you know, it's so stupid to kind of say, well, well look at him run away. What do you want, what do you want him to do? Okay, he's already made the mistake. Should we compound the mistake so he looks more like a man in the eyes of social media? Get out of here with that. Stupid. But here's the thing that, that irritates me. It's like, we need some kids from Jackson. We need some kids that have an edge. This is the Southeastern Conference. We're not recruiting from the seven-on-seven leagues of the Boy Scouts. All right? We're not going to Royal Ambassadors and picking kids out of the Baptist uh, Student Union to come play defensive back in the Southeastern Conference. That's not what we're doing. You're going to have some guys that have an edge. So we need some kids from Jackson to go with the kids we're getting from JS and Jumpertown, okay? You've got to have a mix. And in this league, you've got to have an edge. I'm not going to defend the fight. I'm not. It's a bad look for us. It's a bad look for them. And everybody has some responsibility in it. Were they the dirtier dirtier team throughout the day? Yes, they were. Did the referees do enough to maybe curtail this? Probably not. They flagged them several times. They probably should have ejected somebody. Or probably should have just walked over to Coach uh, Philip Montgomery and says, Coach, here's what we're going to do. Either you can curtail your players or we'll do it. We'll just keep throwing flags all day to your guys play within the rules. Simple as that. But I, thought, I didn't think that crew had a good day. I thought, that, I thought the game was very poorly officiated. And uh, I, did, I think they let the tempo of the game bubble over. And next thing you know, there's a fight. And listen, listen some of you guys are so over the top in your reaction and stuff. I, I, I think, honestly, I'm going to say this, and it's going to hurt some feelings. Some of you guys care too much about what your old Miss friends think. You do. You care way too much. It's like, well, I, well, I tweeted it, man. I tweeted it. I can't believe I did that. Give it a rest. Give it a rest, okay? John Cohen, your athletic director, was out there with your coaches, grabbing players, separating them. Your president, Dr. Mark Keenum, understands the branding of our university. This is going to be dealt with, whether you tweet anything about it or not. You don't have to go tweet it. They all saw it. But we got to be cool for our old Miss friends. Let me tell you this. We've talked about it at the top of the show, right? We have had two Ole Miss players come and hike a leg and simulate your nation on our field their last two visits to Davis Wade Stadium. Right? 
and listen, you saw all the videos, you know, the, you know, what was his name, Trey Elston, kicking a player. Maybe you've forgotten they broke Nick Fitzgerald's ankle. Maybe you forgot that Brewin Speaks tried to do a hammer fist to uh, Keaton Thompson's leg. Maybe you've forgotten all those things. But let me tell you this, we don't need a lecture on class or how to act from Ole Miss people. Period. I don't care what they think, and nor should you. I'm not scared of them. Their opinion's completely irrelevant to me. And so I'm proud of Mississippi State. Am I proud of the fight? No, I'm not. Not in the least. But also understand this. I understand after you've been out there and you've played football for three and a half hours, and people say, well, I don't condone violence. If you watch football, you condone violence. You play within the framework of the rules. It's a very violent game. So we're going to go beat each other up for three and a half hours in a hard-fought ball game where Tulsa's trying to prove that they belong and where Mississippi State is trying to prove, you know what, we're heading in the right direction. We're going to end the year on a winning streak. So you have two teams that are very emotionally invested in the outcome. And the game was very, very physical, very, very emotional, under very adverse conditions, and emotions erupted late. And both teams are at fault. But I also understand when you get a bunch of testosterone-filled competitors out there and all of a sudden you come out there and you start jawjacking before a ball game and then you lose, you're probably going to get some jawjacking back. And maybe you need to be man enough to take it. So, again, this will be handled internally as it should. There will be multiple players suspended for the first game, as they should be. But all of this faux outrage is absolutely ridiculous. All this over-the-top stuff. It's like, it's like it's the first time there's ever been a fight on a football field. And some would say, well, it kind of mars the ball game. No, it doesn't. Not to me, it doesn't. And maybe it's because I've, maybe because I've coached young people before. Maybe because, I've, maybe because I've produced a college athlete myself. You know, it's, let me ask you this before we get out of here. And again, this might hurt your feelings. And again, I don't care. So, uh, you know, I've read somebody's comments on social media. It's like, oh, you know, these guys are thugs and they're animals. They belong in a cage. Did Robin Ventura and Nolan Ryan belong in a cage? How many times have you shared that video? How many times have you shared that picture on Facebook? How many times have you laughed at that and said, hey, look at Nolan Ryan, that Robin Ventura, he, he deserved it. He ran out there. So were they thugs? I mean, just ask yourself. I just want to know, were they thugs? Did they belong in a cage? Were they animals? Check yourself. And let me ask you this. How many people shared the picture in the video of Jonathan Abram slapping A.J. Brown upside the face? You know, if you've shared that Nolan Ryan video, if you've celebrated that, if you've laughed at it, I don't think you have any position to sit here and be critical of our players after a ball game. If you shared that picture of uh, John Abram slapping A.J. Brown in the egg bowl, I, I don't know that you're in a position to be critical of the players. Because what we're really saying is that some of that is acceptable. Some of that is acceptable, I guess, until other people are critical of us. You know, Because I remember when that Nolan Ryan thing happened with Robin Ventura. I remember it. And the national media people all kind of gleefully laughed about it. Ha, 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 look at that. Look at all the knots he put on Robin Ventura's head. So why is that acceptable? Why is that okay? Why, tell me. Why is that acceptable? 
But then these guys get out here, and there's a dust-up afterwards, and like a, a huge brawl breaks out. Are you kidding me? I, I've seen more. I've seen people fight harder over a Teddy Ruxman doll at the North Park Mall. Give me a break. wasn't a huge brawl. It was an isolated incident. A couple guys threw some punches. They'll be held accountable. But again, I ask you, why is it okay for us to celebrate Jonathan Abram slapping A.J. Brown? Is it because he went to Ole Miss? Because I know a bunch of you had that as your profile picture on social media for a while. And some of you same people are now out here tweeting about how unacceptable it is for these players. Right? So how is that acceptable? Is it because Malik Heath maybe is not as accomplished as Jonathan Abram? Is that really is that what it is? Because how can it be okay for Robin Ventura and Nolan Ryan to have a dust up on the field? And it not okay for Malik Heath and Tyneel Martin to have dust up on the field. What's what's the difference? I'm asking you. So, if we're going to be gleeful about those things that happen to people, well, Nolan Ryan's a legend. Well, okay, well, violence is violence, right? We're not going to condone violence. There's no room for violence in sport. And say, okay, well, there should be criminal charges filed against Malik Heath because he kicked some guy in the shoulder pads. So why didn't Robin Ventura or Nolan Ryan file uh, assault charges against each other? Tell me. You got to check yourself. I mean, that's, again, it's like that's the problem with social media is so many people get gaslighted by all this, and there's this need for acceptance. Well, I've got to have the right opinion. I don't. I don't really care. I'm just going to tell you how I see it. Yes, this is an unfortunate incident. Yes, it's something that shouldn't have happened. And yes, it's something that should be dealt with. But let's be a little careful about who we're calling animals and who we're calling thugs because I got respect for every one of those kids that put on that maroon and white uniform and go out there and represent us on all fields of play. I'm still proud of them. I'm proud that they hung together when they could have quit. Listen, how many, how many of you opted out on this team midway through the year? How many, I mean, truly, how many, maybe you didn't watch the game. Maybe you just said, well, I'm not going to be mostly invested. How many of you quit on them? And then here we are. They, they didn't quit on you. They didn't quit on each other. They went down to Athens, Georgia with 49 scholarship players and nearly won the ball game. Came back the next week, went to Oxford with less players and nearly won the ball game. Right? They didn't quit on you. They go back and get a win against Mizzou to ensure they get into the bowl picture. And then when they were asked by their coaching staff, do you want to go to a bowl game? It was unanimous, yes, we do. They didn't quit. And so I'm not going to let the actions of a few who let their emotions get the better of them overshadowed the commitment of more. Not going to do it. Absolutely not going to do it. And you know what? Some people say, well, Steve, this is embarrassing. I'm embarrassed of some of you. Calling our players animals, thugs? You kidding me? People say, well, you know, Steve, this thug-like behavior. You know, you know, I was a thug at one point in my life too. I was. I, I exhibited thug-like behavior too. But let me ask you this, how many of you old-timers, how many of you have gleefully told these stories about D.D. Lewis going down to the Southern Air and just cleaning the place out one night? How many times, because I've heard a lot of you share those stories with me, and D.D., of course, is, uh, you know, is, is a legend at Mississippi State, he's in recovery, lives a great life, I've met him several times, and I'm very, very fond of him, but why is that funny? Why is it funny 
in hindsight. We, we can celebrate that and say, man, you should have seen it, man. It was incredible. Really? I've heard the glee in your voice when you tell these stories, but all of a sudden we're embarrassed by this? Why is one acceptable and one not? So either we're going to be completely against violence or we're going to be okay with violence. So I'm just asking, let's just be consistent in our outrage here. And so if we're going to label these guys animals and thugs and an embarrassment to the program, then everybody else that has ever exhibited that behavior is an embarrassment and a thug to our program. And, and you know what? I'm sure I'm going to get tweets about it and say, Steve, I can't believe you said that. Well, I mean, I'm just calling it like I see it. I'm not the Kirk Herbstreit of the world that wants to go have the popular opinion so I get a bunch of retweets. That's not of interest to me. What's of interest to me is what's best for Mississippi State. And you know what? We, we may never agree on all of that. And you know what? That's okay, too. I still respect you, and I respect your opinion. We want the same things. We may not agree on how to get there. But I don't see how it's good for recruiting, good for our branding, or good for anything for us to call our own players thugs and animals and worthy of cages. Maybe that's just me. And you know what? Do you really think that this fight thing is going to hurt us in recruiting? I mean, seriously. Seriously. Go look at the responses by the young people on this. I'm not going to sit here and say it's a good thing. But don't kid yourself just because somebody else doesn't share your value system. Maybe you're thinking about moving to Starkville. I wish you would. Come on up here and be with us. We'll have a good time. If, uh, if you're interested in that sort of thing, let me encourage you to call my good friend Brooks Bryan. I imagine Brooks Bryan's been thrown at before. I imagine Brooks Bryan might have even thrown at somebody. Who knows? Brooks, I don't want to speak out of turn. Brooks is one of the developers of a new residential complex here in Starville called Portico. Located just off Garrett Road behind the Hilton Garden Inn and the Cryford Jeep dealership, just over a mile from campus. Very easy access to Highway 82 and Highway 25. There'll be 51 houses total in the development with 18 houses in the first phase, and that's nearly wrapped up now. 33 houses in the second phase, and that, that'll begin can probably turn of the year. We're here now. Houses are ranged from 1,300 to 2,000 square feet, two-bedroom, two-bath, up to four-bedroom, four-bath. Portico includes a walking trail and a pavilion area. If you would like more information, and I'm sure you would, and you've probably been putting it off saying, you know, one of these days I'm going to call Brooks and I'm going to see what do I need to do to get in there. Well, today's the day. Call Brooks at 601-416-8075, 601-416-8075. I want to thank you guys so much for uh, your support this year. It was the biggest year ever in the Boneyard, ever. It's the biggest year ever. And I keep waiting for this thing to slow down, uh, and it never does. And you guys have been so incredibly awesome to me and so supportive of me. Uh, and just for you guys to know, jeanspage.com, we had the biggest month in our history in December. The biggest month in our history ever most views most sessions everything the biggest month in our history so things are, you know clearly you like us and so if you're not a subscriber let me encourage you to go check that out and come be with us uh, you know paul jones robbie falk and i dave murray mike nemeth gene everybody works hard for you guys and uh, most days we produce about a dozen stories while your traditional media outlets turn out one or two and so if you're looking for information about the bulldogs including college football recruiting college basketball recruiting college baseball recruiting we cover all of that Every aspect of Mississippi State sports, we're all over that. So I encourage you to come and check that out. It's been a huge year for us. And uh, listen, the books have been great. Thanks for the book sales. And uh, if, you hadn't, if you hadn't got the books, go to alphadogsthebook.com. You can get all three. But it's been a wild year for all of us, man. It's like uh, not just you know, professionally, but you know, we've all endured this incredible year. 
you know and uh there were times i think we all thought we were going to die and there were times that we thought we wouldn't get college football there were times we thought we would never get to back to enjoy the things that we love we wouldn't get a chance to see each other we wouldn't get a chance to break bread together and uh some of that's come back we still got to be careful but we made it through college football season made it through all 10 regular season games we got our ball game done we're going to crown a national champion here in a couple weeks basketball is kind of getting picked up mississippi state has a huge win over georgia in both the men and the women's side we beat a 7-0 georgia team in athens it seems like howland always seems to get uh, tom crane the better of him there uh, in athens but um you know we've got some things to look forward to baseball be here really soon but uh like all of you my hope is and as the back the counting crows said it was a long december but there's reason to believe this year should be better than the last and hopefully this vaccine works and uh, we can get back to kind of congregating again uh, in crowds. I miss going to rock shows. But, uh, yeah, I really look forward to college baseball season. And it just won't be the same without having all of you there, having you out there. Let's all sweating together and feeling good and, and uh, eating a sausage dog and hanging out with Hobie and that sort of stuff. I mean, it's like th- that's kind of who we are. And so my hope is that uh, we can look ahead and look forward to bigger and better things. I'm excited about Mississippi State baseball and um you know i think that's the thing we all look forward to so much but uh listen that's gonna do it for today i thank you guys so much for your patronage your support all the years i'm gonna get out of here this show's been long enough and i've ran it and, and raved long enough and i'm really gonna want to watch some football but uh until next time let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live